We try to leverage things. We try to put ourselves in a sweet spot. We try to act like we're the ones who are going to make it happen somehow. But you know what I, one of the things I want to share with you? It has always been about His glory, His power, and believing in Him. Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of San Francisco's Sermon Podcast. This is a message from our worship service on Sunday mornings in downtown San Francisco. This podcast is a ministry of our church, and we're praying it's useful for you and for the kingdom, for the praise of His glory. Be thou my wisdom and thou my true word. I Our scripture reading is from John 14, 8-26. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves." Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to you remembrance all that I have said to you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. We are now, we've been, those of you are joining us for the first time, we've been looking at and kind of find ourselves kind of hovering over and thinking about the Holy Spirit. And and I've been super excited about this. I'm kind of enjoying it and getting in there. And we've seen the Holy Spirit as a spirit of adoption. It's right here. He's not going to leave us as orphans. And there's this idea that that the Holy Spirit, this uh, this Holy Spirit that comes, seals. Uh, He's a spirit of sonship. He's a spirit of adoption. And we were kind of unpacking that, and we saw the Spirit as a spirit of holiness. Not only is he interested in, in, in bringing you in, as it were, but he's also the Spirit who delivers. He's a deliverable, and the deliverable is a new obedience, a new desire for obedience even, a, a new holiness and a new hunger for it. Uh, that's very encouraging. And I, today, today I want us to take the time to look at, I guess I could plug this in and that'll help. We can, we can take a time and look at, I'll trip on that one. Um, 
Take time to look at uh, the spirit as the spirit of intercession. Intercession. Now, I, I uh, even as I, I somebody, I think somebody idly uh, mentioned somebody being my wife. Uh, when, when are you going to be past this text? You know, when are we going to move on? When are we going to move on? When are we going? And I've, I think I've heard that from more than one person. And I think we'll move on uh, uh, after I get it. I ha- I'm the one, I have to get, I have to understand this. I want this to be in me. I want this truth to be mine. I want it to fill me. And so maybe that's, I'm being a little facetious, but sometimes I, I, I'll sit, I want to sit in a scripture because I want it to penetrate my heart. I want it to penetrate my soul. I want it to get in deep into the guts of who I am. So that's a part of what's going on here. But intercession's been much on my heart and he is the spirit the Holy Spirit is the spirit of intercession. So what, what I'm focusing on today is in verse 13. And, uh, and we'll, we'll look at uh, how verse 13 is something that uh, actually is going to be repeated in, in some form or another uh, again and again. And here it is. Here's the claim. Here's the premise. Here's the, here's the announcement. Here's what Christ promises. And he promises it again and again. Whatever you ask in my name... This I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. He asks, and he repeats himself. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. And then four more times, well, we'll see him in a minute. Four more times he makes this, this announcement. It's, it, you could almost say it's, it's, the, uh, it's the application of this entire text, this entire speech he's having. Christ is talking all the way from John 14 to John 17. And it's this, this discourse, this, this, this conversation with the disciples. It's right before his death at the, on the cross. And, and he, he seems to be eager to, to impart some things to him. Some really, really precious, important, important things. It's kind of a last word, last message. Make sure you get the point. Don't miss this, guys. And there's two things that come up again and again. One is the Holy Spirit. And the other one is Ask whatever you wish in my name, and I'll do it. Well, I want to ask, I want to, I want to address the elephant in the room, the 800-pound gorilla that's sitting here. You've asked, and it didn't happen. Come on, I mean, come on. Are we going to be truth tellers, or are we going to pretend to be religiously posture and say, oh, no, everything I ever asked for? No, that's, no. we have not experienced that. And I want to ask the question right out the gate that I think has to be asked. Is Jesus a cheat? Are we cheated? Or if Jesus isn't a cheat, are we all on the wrong page? Are we all on the wrong Are we all wrong somehow about what it means to follow him and know him and believe him? These promises are so huge. I think they, it sounds like Christ is kind of over-promising and undelivering. Anybody ever felt that way? Anybody ever felt that way when they're talking about their own kids? Anybody ever felt that way about their parents, about their job, about their position, about their own depression, about your own fears? You promised an awful lot, Jesus. I can hear the promises. We look at them. They just get bigger and bigger. Uh, they, they, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should, abi- should abide and that whatever you ask in the Father in my name, he may give it to you. In that day, you will ask nothing of me. You see how it's spread out over the whole, the whole course of this, of this, of this uh, time together? Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask in the Father in my name, of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. 
until you now you have asked for nothing in my name. And he keeps going on. It's 26. In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I, I, I think this frustration lives in us. And any, anybody who really wants to be a worshiper of Jesus and a lover of Jesus has had these kinds of questions. And the reason I put it out there right now and put it out right in front and lead with it is to tell you it is not, it is not a disaster if you're thinking that sometimes. In fact, I think, I think that these promises are so big in order to provoke you to ask that question. I think Jesus has a plan. I think he's wise. He is provoking you because those promises are given by the Son of God. You understand the premise of why we're here today, correct? As, as, as people participating in this, in, in, in biblical Christianity, we are agreeing that Jesus as the Son is the eternal presence of God, the Father, in coming, send, send, sending the Son in love from eternity to save sinners. Somebody from outside time who created time itself has come into time. Somebody outside of space, outside of the universe who created this universe and is greater than it came into it. And so these promises have to be real. They, they, they lock into, they're part and parcel of the original premise of Christianity. And that is the God-man came and now things are possible that we never dreamed possible. Now something has opened up in the mind and imagination in the heart of God. What is it? And how do we, gosh, guys, don't you? Now, and I remember this, this sense, you know, I remember praying for a Ferrari. I, I honestly, that's really, really embarrassing. I remember praying that Jesus would give me a Ferrari. Hasn't happened yet. Holding out. No, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. And I remember that crisis of faith because, well, well, where is it? Where is what I asked for? Where's the exchange? And what, what are we really coming to? We really come to, it really comes to expose, I guess, in one sense, how transactional we really are, right? You didn't give me what I wanted. Well, I'm not giving you what you want then. I've even, I think I've even, when I was younger, excused disobedience. I might have even done that this past week. But let's, let's not talk about that. Let's not talk about that yet. Let's talk about these promises because they're so big they're so mammoth and i want i want us to i want i want i want with everything in my heart for them to be true i want to know that they're true and why they're true and how they're true and how we can love them and live in them and okay so the goal i wrote the goal out for this morning's message and our morning this time in our word and i want you to hear it from my heart to get folks praying more fully and freely in jesus by the Holy Spirit. That's what I'm hoping for. That's what I hope. That's my goal. You'll walk out of here with an ability to pray more fully, more freely in Jesus by the presence of the Holy Spirit, because he is the spirit of intercession. He is the spirit of intercession. Now, how, how are we going to get there? How are we going to get there? Now, first, I want us to understand and first grasp and first begin to grasp, as it were, the depths of these, pro the depths of what's, what's going on, what's going on in the text uh, theologically. I can't remember where I put this. Sorry. It's, it's this right here. And this is, this is this concept here of dwelling. And at this, this, the reason I pause, really want to pause over this, look in verse 10. It's such an odd little turn of phrase. The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but 
the father, and I would have thought that this was, he would say right here, but the father speaks through me, right? I would have thought that we'd like, I don't speak of my own authority, but the father speaks through me. But that's not what he says. He says, I do not speak of my own authority, but the father who dwells in me does his works. Now follow this. So, so the Holy Spirit I'm sorry, the, the Father dwells in the Son. Now look at the next place this word dwells comes. The Spirit of truth, who in the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him for what? He dwells with you. All right. The Father is in the Son. This Holy Spirit is in you. And then we get down here. Look, what, what happens here? What do the Father and the Son say? What does the Son say about the love of the Father? He's going to come and make his home with you. And, 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 you know, I've been making this argument again and again that, that by faith, there's a, there's a transitive holiness, a transitive presence, a transitive power, a transitive joy, if you want to say that, because, because the Father is in the Son and the Son is in me by the Spirit, which means what? I am in the Father and the Son. And they're, it's, it's, a, it's glorious. And what I've told you before, the, the part of our joy is this prepositions everywhere. Because the joy, some of the joy of the gospel is in the prepositions. And some of its glory and its joy and its power lays in these prepositions. They're everywhere, in and into, even in the command we're looking at. Whoever believes in me, whatever you ask in mine is inward, is everywhere. And it has this sense of taking us and placing us. And what the Holy Spirit does is placing us inside who God is. And that's what's being described here. You see, you and us, God, the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, the one who comes alongside is the spirit of intercession, takes us into God, takes us into who he is. But then he also does another thing because it, it works both ways. The Holy Spirit takes us and locates us in, in God and then takes God and locates him where? In us. In us. And so all the glories. So, all right. I'm going to make the argument and showing that these promises made now are really promises of the Holy Spirit. In other words, what I'm saying here is whenever you ask in my name and prayer in Jesus's name is the same as prayer in the Holy Spirit. I want you to hear this prayer in and by the Holy Spirit. Now, we don't know who wrote first what, but I think we can reliably su suggest that, that, uh, that, the, that this was written, Romans was written, Romans was written before this, and John may have well read this. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who what? Who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we await eagerly for our adoption as sons. This is, these are the themes popping up in John 14 that are alive in Christ as he's, as he's trying to give, the, give, his, give his disciples hope. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope for who hopes for what he sees. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, 
The Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with, with, for us with groanings too deep for words, and he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those who he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. Those he predestined, and those he... He might be the firstborn of many brothers, and those whom he predestined, he also called. Those whom he called, he also justified. All right. The whole point here is, for these promises to make any sense, that has to be true. You are in God, and God is in you. That is the premise upon which all the amazing claims are made and opened up. This is Theology 101, right? You're like, Chris, I've heard this before. I've heard this. Then why, then why aren't we praying? I just made a theological argument. I go on to make it. I could push it and say, look, we are, we are, we are stewards and we are, we are partakers of divine mystery and the mystical presence of an eternal God is in you by, by faith. But why don't, why don't we pray? Why is prayer such an anemic presence in our lives? In other words, I'm sp- I, look, even as I'm talking about this, in the back of my head, I'm thinking, am I boring everybody by too much theology? I think that. I really think that stuff like that. I think about it. I worry about it. Is this interesting enough to carry people so that, well, who cares if it's interesting? Because it's true. But, um, mm, um, all right, why aren't we praying? Why, why Why the unbelief so deep in the heart? Why the prayerlessness of the church, especially my tradition? I, uh, as I was wrestling with this and thinking about it and how the spirit of intercession, I kept thinking about it because I, I want, you know, uh, the Holy Spirit presence is what I'm craving for. And, and I, mm, Father, please, in this moment, remove obstacles to prayer. I'm praying that right now for us. Amen. Let us ask for a removal of obstacles. What are the obstacles? What do they, what do they wind up being? This is an example of what I was talking about. The Father abides in the Son. The Holy Spirit abides in us. The Father and the Son abide in us. You see, it's, it's a transitive. It continues to open up and describe the mystical union that makes prayer real, that makes prayer effective. Oh, I think I just ran out of juice. All right. All right, we'll, play, we'll close that. So what I want to do is I want to, I want to, uh, I want to deal with the obstacles. Obstacle number one. Now, how many of you thought you didn't receive an answer because you didn't believe hard enough? Show of hands. Anybody? You didn't believe hard enough. You didn't. How often did you think in that moment, part of this, what, what, what I've heard creep into the hearts of believers, is you need to, you need to claim it. You ever heard this idea that you just, you, what you didn't do was you didn't, you didn't believe for what God could do? You didn't believe in his power. You didn't, you didn't have, you didn't put, and what has crept into Christianity, which crept into the faith and the heart of faith again and again is an idea that if you believe more or believe harder or visualize, now I'm getting back into visualize. Anybody heard of the secret? You ever heard of the secret? So the secret came out a few years ago. It's an ancient idea. And the idea is, is if Scott can visualize what he wants and imagine it as 
beautifully as he can, he will create that reality. Have you heard this kind of idea before? That, it's, it's piggybacking on this belief idea that God that's best in here. If you believe, if you believe, and we tend to take that, well, I've got to believe harder for the thing I want. I have to visualize it more. more. I have to, I have to, and that's the way I'll get it. And I'm going to tell you right, I'm going to tell you today, I think that's a, a huge mistake. What I mean here is, What's the premise which delivers to you all of this promise? Jesus died for sinners. And he says, believe into me. Believe in me. Believe in me. Why is this so precious? We, we can make a mistake of thinking we have to increase belief in some prosperity or claim or health or desire and that if we believe hard enough in that, you'll see people do this practically. This is how it happens. I'll give you a very clear example of how this happens. And I don't mean any disrespect to people who pray like this. But you'll see people are going to pray, going to pray for Jenna. They'll put their hands on her. It usually has to be touch for, for folks when they're like this. They want to press their hands on it. And even if she doesn't say yes, you haven't even said yes to me. I'm putting my hands on you. And they'll do something like this. Lord Jesus, I just want to pray. I just want to pray that I want to pray that you'll enter this shoulder. You'll, 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 I'm going to claim your promise. Have you heard this kind of prayer before? Have you heard this kind of this kind? Of, and it sounds like, it, and it, and I imagine what it is. And I think I, I'm going to claim what it is. It's a, it's a, it's like uh, oomping it up. You know, <laughs> oh, it's almost like a uh, uh, like a grin. I'm going to make. I'm going to. I'm going to. Oh, I believe. I believe in this. I believe he can do it. I, and, and what that is, is um, that, that means I'm a part of this. Like my belief affects this. It does not. No, it does not. It's the power of Jesus. It's believing in Jesus. You were called to put your faith and trust in Jesus' love for you at the cross. Believe more deeply into that. That's the key. That's the visualization. That's where, that's the premise. It's not believing about what God, it's believing again that God can love a man like you, Mike, and praising him for it. Amen? And rejoicing again. This is why our Savior, he's so tender with the disciples, he's so excited about success in ministry and you know, lots of people coming to Christ and all these people, all these demons are running and people are being healed. It's fun, you know, it's alive, it's, it's beautiful. And they, they are so freaking jazzed and excited. They are so enthusiastic. And Christ rebukes them. He rebukes them. Do not rejoice that the demons obey you, but rejoice that your name is written in the book of life. What's he saying? Don't look at the gifts. Look at the giver. <laughs> Get your eyes on the giver. You look, what do we do again and again? We, 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 we try to leverage things. We try to put ourselves in a sweet spot. We try to act like we're the ones who are going to make it happen somehow. And maybe, but you know what I, one of the things I want to share with you is that I hope Jesus does this to you. I hope he does it for you today. Could he, is answering a prayer you barely believed you would answer? Has this ever happened to you? <laughs> like, like you just, you literally asked just because somebody asked you to ask. And you're just kind of like, yeah, whatever. She's hopeless. I'll pray for her anyway, man. <laughs> whatever it is. And you have some dismissive attitude that had nothing. And you had, you, your faith was the size of a mustard seed would have looked big. Right? And then God did it. Have you ever had that happen to you? <laughs> Something casual you really, and God just delivered on it? What's happening there? It has always been about his glory, his power, and believing in him. And all these things we seek for and we want, prosperity, and maybe, maybe you want a Ferrari. I don't know. 
<laughs> we'll get to that in a second. But visualizing and trying to have faith that somehow creates what you want is a sin. It's a misplaced worship. It's a misplaced adoration and a misplaced trust. Again and again in the text, again and again, I want to see the power. We don't have it. He says again and again, right before he tells us to pray, look at the verse right before he tells us to pray. He says, believe, believe into me, or at least believe into the works. Believe, believe into me, because in him unlocks all the treasures. You get it? In him are all the treasures. That's it. Praise him. Stop seeking the gifts instead of the giver. I find this to be kind of a relief because this means is that the beginning of a successful prayer life where you hope for miracles and healing. Yes, healing happens. But all that is based upon a man or a woman who comes and says, Jesus, I know you love sinners and I trust that you love sinners. And I'm so thankful you love sinners like me. That's the faith. That's, that's the faith that he uses. You see, that's the launching point for that power that we're so hungry for. It came in this submissive, beautiful place where we're no longer trying to simply leverage what we can get, right? And leverage what we can have. <coughs> that first obstacle, let's get that out of the way. What's the second obstacle I want to deal with? Well, it's interesting in the text, it's right there. It was a number of, it was one of the, one of the, one of the texts that, uh, where Christ talks. <clears throat> and it's right there in Romans 8. After talking about prayer and the Holy Spirit, um, Paul talks about predestination. If the first excuse, if the first kind of obstacle was, um, was actually some sort of idolatry, the second obstacle is resignation. Now, I know you, like, if you were, like, maybe some of you, I know we don't have a lot of Presbyterians here, thankfully, but, but, uh, but we are a Presbyterian church, and we are seeking more and more to be less of one, but, but, <laughs> But no, but I, I've been saying facetiously, but there, there, there's a poison that I've seen cor corrupt the hearts of young men and women in the Reformed faith. And that is, if God is predestined, it doesn't matter what I do. I don't really care. It's a resignation that says, well, God is going to do it. I'm not going to worry about it. And I, you know, and, and it never, there's no prayer. There's no life. And there's a kind of like, a, well, you know, it's a passivity and a reject. It's kind of like, oh, well, you know, I, and it, all, it comes off or it can come off. And I've heard it come off as, well, I really believe this. I really believe in the sovereignty of God. And, and it, secretly you've been making excuses. That's why you never bother to ask for anything. Well, he already knows. He's already planned. He's not changeable. And what this is, is a hollow shell of faith. It's not, it's not biblical faith. If you have ever made that mistake, and let, let me tell you, I'm not out here to beat you over the head. The reason I'm so passionate about this particular mistake is because I'm, I've been a perpetrator of that kind of, that kind of sin. And what I discovered early on was, wait a second, is, is if my love for the predestining sovereignty of God is keeping me from, faith, from, from, from prayer, something is wrong about what I think about that work, right? Something is wrong about what I think about God. Somehow I have thought that knowing about his predestining love gave me, a, gave me the tiger's tail. You know, like, oh, I'm okay. I know the truth. I know that God plans all things. And uh, what we don't, we forget is when you grab a tiger's tail, what a tiger will do. What will a tiger do? He'll bite you. I hope God bites you. I really do. I hope God turns around and bites you on this one. Because that is a dead faith. That is taking the truths of the scripture and using them as an excuse for your own passivity and your own lack of fire and power and desire. 
and it has nothing to do with Jesus and looks like none of the disciples. Let me dare something here. I will dare to say this. If you believe in the sovereign God and you don't pray, you do not believe in the sovereign God. That's what I'm going to say. You really don't. Because, you're, because you've been invited by the Holy Spirit to be a part of the predestining power of a mighty and eternal love. Praise him. You, you haven't kind of grasped it. Don't you know? Don't you know that if you prayed over Jim's shoulder or you prayed for so-and-so to come to Christ and or you're praying, what you are doing is you are in a sense, you are stepping that in. Imagine the in in all those texts, all that in language is, is, is an eternal river. I'd say it's a river just, just raging of love. It's an eternal river raging of love. And what we often do in reformed circles in our intellectualism is we walk up to the river and we go, Wow, that's fascinating. I could write a book about this. You know, this is, oh yeah, oh yeah, that's, that's really moving. Wow. You know, let me preach to you about the Reformed. Let me tell you something. That is not the proper way for us to respond to the sovereignty of God. What's the proper way for us to respond to the sovereignty of God? Yay! I'm going to jump in. I'm going to jump into the river. And you realize when Christ invited you to pray for your brother, your sister, your friend, your neighbor, your kids who don't know Christ, your mom and dad doesn't, the things that you wanted most in life, when he invites, he invites you because he wants and he is going to predestine. Now, I don't know how this works eternally and I don't care to try. He knows. He will make your prayer and your prayer will be because it comes from him anyway. We're going to see that in a second. It'll be one of the tools, be one of the parts that tells the story of how so-and-so came to Jesus. Isn't that a sweet God? Sovereignty was an invitation, not a, no, don't come here. Sovereignty of God was an invitation into his work and into his love and into his power, livingly. You and I are like little parts of the predestining fingers of God's love. Isn't that beautiful? (laughs) That's what, that's, do not... We don't, and that's why the Holy Spirit comes up right next to predestination. And that's why prayer comes up right next to predestining love or says, God says, I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit that lasts. You see, predestining love and our prayer and the Holy Spirit are come together. Let me, oh, hold on. Let me tell you something. And this again, some of you are not Presbyterians, but if you are, you'll hear me on this. I think Presbyterians should have been, we should have been the original Pentecostals. We should have been the charismatics because we believe in a sovereign, sovereign Holy Ghost. Amen? Amen. Let's remove that obstacle, that obstacle of resignation. What's the next? So the first obstacle is idolatry belief, or we seek the gifts over the giver, and as if that was the, the and, and try to be a part of God answering and not just believing and trusting. The second obstacle is our resignation, some theological panacea we've created that we imagine tells us who God is, and yet robs us at the same time in our arrogance. But what's the next obstacle? Just pure old, plain old ignorance. <laughs> I just don't know how to pray, Chris. I just don't know how to do it. I just don't know what to do. I don't know where to pray. I don't know where to start. I don't know. And, and I hear this, and I, and I hear it a lot, and I, I, a lot of us are stumbled with this. And, I, and that's why that, that Romans 8 just passage just, just flowers beautifully in front of us. What do I mean by that? The Holy Spirit is the invitation for you and I to pray the most confused prayers we've ever prayed <laughs> and have them answered as if they were the most beautiful words ever spoken. Praise him. 
I think God delights in clumsy, awkward, stilting, stilted, stilted, confused prayer. I know that because he's done that for me. Has he done it for you? Just believe in him and trust him and speak. He awaits to hear. He awaits to predestine the very things you are most earnest about. Praise him. Praise him in his excellent greatness. Praise him in his love. This, sorry, this ignorance problem, I, it's kind of odd. And, I, I don't, and, I, you know, and some people would say, I just don't have a gift like that. Well, then you're denying the Holy Spirit. Come on, you, get, out, get out of yourself. Get over yourself. You probably pray terribly. Amen. Some of you do pray terribly. I've heard you. You know, I could sit there and criticize it if I wanted. It just really lacked any real structure. It didn't go in the right direction. It wasn't even prayed in Jesus' name. Who do these people think they are? It's all hogwash. It's all hogwash when we come to, the, to prayer in Jesus' name being prayer in the Holy Spirit. I love this idea because it's so freeing. It's so radically open and full and free. Let's, re- let's, let's repent of hiding behind our ignorance. <laughs> Here's the next one, though. And this one, this one starts cutting a little closer to home. And this, this is the one that your pastor struggles with. This is the one I, I really struggle with, sometimes week in and week out. It's, one, it's my weakness. It's my Achilles, Achilles heel. Achilles heel. And that is, well, you're not good enough to pray. Well, we know the passage, some of us do, that the prayers of a righteous man are what? Powerful. And effective. So what are your prayers? By extension, what do many of us imagine our prayers are? Powerless and ineffective. Have you done this? Have you, have you, have you held back? Because in the end, your, 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 own, your own mistakes, your own, your own lusts, your own anger, your own loose let tongue, your own, your, own, your own callousness, it haunts you. It haunts you. you, you you're, you're hurt by it. And, 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 you, and, and the first thing it does, it seems to drive you away like with, a, with like a pitchfork. And that's very, little, that's very intentional. <laughs> it's like a pitchfork pushing you away from the throne. Who do you think you are to talk to God? Now, if you think that God doesn't hear you when you're sinful, then you must also embrace the corollary that he does hear you when you're good. Now, when you hear that, many of your a little alarm goes off in your head and you go, that, that's not, I know that's not in the Bible. <laughs> like, I know that's not, like, God only hears me when I'm good. Well, how does a sinner ever get out of it? Like, how does a sinner ever cry out then? Right? Where's the hope for sinners in that? And then we, then we hear, that the prayers of a, pow- a righteous man are powerful and effective from Elijah. James goes on to say he was a man just like us. Read the story of Elijah. He's a petulant little fella. He's a petulant little person who doesn't believe God when the chips are down. Yeah, ran and hid. Afraid. What, what's going on here? What's, 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 what's creeping in? What's creeping in is a works righteousness. You were called in that fundamental moment of belief to no longer trust again in who you are. Praise him. And, and, and the, the gate's wide open now and free. And whenever we're hesitating, whenever we're, we're not going in prayer because, because we imagine we're not good enough, we haven't done it well enough, we haven't been there well enough, you know what we're really doing? We're negotiating. We're negotiating again. What are we saying? Well, you know, 
I'll give you this if you give me that. Or I gave you this, you should give me that. You guys, you know what this sounds like? Quid pro quo. Might as well bring it out. It's kind of in the news. And I don't care to to, to speculate on on what, what, what was wrong with our politicians. But I will tell you this. You cannot do that with God. If you set up a table to negotiate with God in your prayer life, and if you're, if you're probably essentially a negotiation, I've done this or been this and I want this and I want that, or I haven't done this and maybe I'll be better. Maybe I'll come more to the table when, I, when I'm better and things, foolish things like that. This is what God does when you set up a table to bargain with him. Do you know what God does with bargaining tables in his presence? Does anybody know when you set up a table to deal with God and, and negotiate for what you've been good enough to get, do you know what God does with the tables? He tosses them over. They're an offense to him. It's an offense to him. He didn't come to negotiate with you. He came to give you everything. He came to open the heavens. He came to give you himself. What are you negotiating for? And we see the sin. We see the crime. We see when, every time we have thought that God wouldn't answer or hear us or love us because we weren't good enough was another time we walked away from the cross and said, that's not good enough either. You see? And yet it is. Don't be hounded and hurt and hunted by, these, by, by your memories. I know, they're, I know how powerful they are. They're very powerful for me. All the things you've done and been and said just this week. We came here. We dared to pray because God loves sinners and forgives them. And our prayers are gilded by love and the cross and the blood by the Holy Spirit. You see, this is where the Holy Spirit gets in. You know, it's funny. If you're a record creeper and you got all these records in your head, what do you most need? You need that Holy Spirit from Romans 8 who does what? Who gets in your head and gets out the stuff that you really need. It really can talk for you. You see, there's a wonderful place here where our negotiations, which have to be upended for us to come to God, the Spirit is saying, and I, I look, I, I, I will negotiate perfectly for you. <laughs> I know exactly what to say. I know exactly how to bring it. I know how to present this. In fact, in this little text right here, if you read it, it says, go and ask the Father. And then immediately just says, Jesus says, and I will ask the Father. I will ask. What's the point? We're on his coattails. We're holding on, you know? We're holding on by faith, holding on to his love and getting pulled right into the king and all of our requests getting pulled along with them. Praise him. You are only heard because of love. (laughs) You are only heard because of forgiveness. I have only ever been heard because of the matchless love of Jesus for me. Praise him. Praise him. Because if it depended on me, we'd be in big trouble. What's the next one? Next obstacle. I think frustration. Let's get down to brass tacks. You asked for things and they didn't happen, right? You've asked for things that have not happened. Say, so when you've asked for things that have not happened. I, 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 don't, I, don't need to, I don't need to go around the room. There's not a person here who has everything they've ever asked for. I just don't believe that. It's just kind of, because a lot of us, you know, well, there's all sorts of things we'll be crazy about asking and doing and stuff like that. I remember when my son... Uh, one of my sons said that uh, he was not sure he believed in God anymore. I said, well, why? He said, well, I prayed, prayed to him that school would be canceled tomorrow, uh, and, and it didn't happen. And I was like, well, why did you pray that school would be canceled? Uh, um, uh, um, I had a paper due. 
Anybody done this? You know, I just pray that, I pray the school bus would break down. I pray that, uh, I prayed it would snow. That was a big one for me up in Philadelphia. You know, pray it would snow. We'd have a snow day. And what are those, you know, these, and it didn't happen. I hope Jesus let me down. Let's excavate this little man. Seriously, let's excavate it. Did you, did you look in your worship? You know, you and I, we've all asked Jesus for a lot of stuff. All of us have, if we're, if we're telling the truth. There's a lot of things we've wanted and dared to ask for at different times. And I always wonder what God does with it. Seriously, what God does with whatever we ask. Let's say I asked for a Ferrari. And if you're getting the impression that, that I really want a Ferrari, you're right, I do. I've always wanted one. I'll never have one. It doesn't matter. And, um, I'd, and I, I'll settle for a Porsche. Anyway, uh, that was a joke. That was a, yeah, 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 thank you. <laughs> yeah, that was already taken away. And so, but what does Jesus do with this? I wonder what I would do with it. My kids would do this to me too. Uh, you know, your kids ask you for, um, uh, they want to go away for the summer. And they want to go away this summer. And they want to go on this uh, camping trip with some friends. But then at the same time, a little later after they've asked that, they'll ask for, no, they'll ask you for uh, something different. Like, could you give me uh, uh, some extra money for a car this summer? Now, the problem I have as a parent is that I find out with limited resources that those two requests actually are in conflict, right? If I'm going to pay for you to go away for camp, I can't afford to buy you a car. You see? And and if I'm going to pay for one, I can't pay for the other. Now, God doesn't have those problems. He doesn't have limited resource problems. But he does have problems with a lot of requests that wind up being contradictory. Pay attention to me. Pay attention to the text here, or the scriptures. Pay attention to this song, I'm sorry. Look look, look at the first song we sang, I Cry Out, from from the very beginning of worship. I cry out for your hand of mercy to heal me. That's a prayer. I am weak, I need your love to free me. That's a prayer. O Lord, my rock, my strength and weakness, come rescue me, O Lord. That's a prayer. We sing. By the way, many of our songs are prayers. They're song, prayers we're singing. Now listen to this. You are my hope. Your promise never fails me. And my desire is to follow you forever. Now you see, it's funny. A lot of us prayed prayers when we were younger of total surrender, right? Didn't we? I will give you everything, Father. If only I could follow you and I will do anything for you, God. Right? We had that camp. We, and look, I figure, I think our father heard those prayers. And then later on, when you prayed for a hot girlfriend, or you're praying for a relationship you really wanted, or you're praying for the hot new job that you wanted, or you're praying for the romance of your life, or you're praying, and these other things come up. And I think our father in love is always comparing that against the other requests. Okay, which one am I going to honor? Because he will only honor what brings those other prayer requests to bear. You get it? The bigger ones, the better ones. The best things you asked for are the things God is giving you. He's offering to you in his love. But what do we often want in the meantime? The crummy little things. <laughs> the crummy little things that we think are going to make us happy. And what God has really done is he listened to you. When you cried, everyone in this room sang that song. And if you got here late, then you're off the hook. But, but, but everyone is saying that song. You asked God to do that. Now, every other request you make is filtered through that. You get it? It just makes sense. So if it doesn't bring you to this place, my pro- and my desire is to follow you forever. So when I, I, I cried that out to Jesus, and then later on I say I wanted to have a nice shiny new car, you know what Jesus does in his love? He goes, okay, I'll fully entertain that idea. And he did. 
And, and I'll look at this and he goes, but you also, didn't you say this? You wanted to follow me forever? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I definitely afraid that. Okay. Well, you know what that means, don't you? You can't have the Ferrari because if you had the Ferrari, you just drive away from me. <laughs> like you would just, you just love this world more. You would just be trapped again and again by this world. You would, and, you, and we don't hear it that way though, right? Because we, we don't hear and we, or we refuse to believe or trust his sovereign love and that he has really answered you with the best. That's scary. There's a lot of suffering in this world. And a lot of times of disappointment and sadness and grief and loneliness and shame and fear when we wonder why it couldn't have been different or better or something else, Right? But all the while, through darkness and through light, through prosperity and through disaster, what has our Father always been answering? That request to truly know Him. That request to really become a man of love and a woman of faith. That real request that His glory would be in you and you would know it. And you just don't particularly like the answer to the greatest prayers you've ever prayed. Isn't that the truth? We just don't like the answer to the greatest prayers we have ever prayed because they have meant things we haven't wanted. But he is so faithful. Can you hear it? He's so kind. Trust him. Um, trust him. The Old Testament word for trust means to be gullible. You know, be gullible. When Jesus says, ask whatever you want in my name, are you ready to be gullible with God? that's a beautiful place. It's the faith of a child, isn't it? Oh, anything? And he so honors you. He so honored some of your prayers as kids. When you ask Jesus to make you a woman of God or a man of God, he so honors, he so listened that he keeps doing it. Even though you don't particularly like the way he's happening. Praise him. You see, in the, in, see, this is where Christ is doing. He said, by, by, by giving you promises without a ceiling, by giving you promises with this enormous scope, he intends to answer them in spades. But what happens? Our scope and our vision is very small. You see, it's so much smaller than his promises. And what do we do? We, we, we try to shrink it down to something we can see, taste, touch, and enjoy and have. And he, all the while, he's like, no, 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 no. You asked for it all, hon. You asked for everything. I'm giving you everything. I'm not even going to pause to listen to your idle requests along the way that take you away from me because I know what you really asked for and what you really need. I know what your heart's desire is, for I put it there. Praise him. Isn't that sweet? Isn't that freedom? Isn't that joy? Look, in the times of deepest darkness, it, it, sometimes it says this, I will love you even if you strike me. Why? Why does Job say it? Why, why does David say it? Why, 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 can, why does Jesus say that to his own father? I will love you even though you strike me. What? Because of that trust that began with the, in prayer. Be, all, be my everything. Save me from my sin. Make me into your image. There was a cost to those prayer requests. It was the blood. And there's a cost in your life too. And there was a lot of idle things you asked for that he was so kind to never give you. Praise him. Praise him with highest praise. What's the final obstacle? There's more here. I can't even. Um, um, the final obstacle I feel and I hear, I do hear this from people. I've heard it over the years, is uh, 
you're insignificant. What do you bother an eternal God for? Come on. Seriously. Are you, are you that important? What are your problems that important? I mean, I mean I, I, who are you? You're insignificant, aren't you? I mean, you know, and, and, and isn't that, and, and, and that insignificance, it, it kind of, it pounds at you. It's, it's everywhere around us. It, we're buried inside the, the bidding metrics of the mega companies and they don't care at all about us at all. We're just another commodity to be traded and our loves and our friendships are another thing to be, you don't matter. And you can hear that, you know what? I hear men say, I remember I'm telling people, that I, used, I remember telling somebody I used to pray for prayer for parking parking spaces, and um, and I remember I was a sincere wall follower of Jesus and a pastor and looking at me going, I don't pray about stuff like that, and I'm thinking to myself, well, because it's too insignificant. All right, is it insignificant that the billions of atoms in this paper are being held together by the love and will of the Father? Is that insignificant? And you're worth many, many bulletins. <laughs> Aren't you? Insignificance is a lie. You are the treasure of our Father's eye. We were talking about this on uh, Tuesday night, and I was talking about uh, Lindsay got a big smile. I don't see Lindsay. Lindsay, uh, she must be up with the kids, but I was saying I never liked, I never liked the... Uh, the passage where it said David was the apple of God's eye. Never liked it. You know why? I want to be the apple of God's eye. That's not, I want that. Why can't I have that? Right? And in a sense, like this, like, well, how do I get that? Do you hear? Can you hear it? Can you hear it? That murderous, adulterous idiot gets that claim. And all it does is tell you again just how much Jesus loves little people. It just doesn't matter. I'm going to knock that off the it, there, he is, he is His eye is on the sparrow, right? And his eye is on you. And he cares about your parking spaces. And he cares about what you make at work. And he cares about the attitude that that girl had that hurt your feelings. And he cares about how you stub your toe. And he cares about you, how you're so ticked off, you've been overlooked for promotion. And he cares about, you know, the ingrown hair that you have on your arm. Does it sound too much? No, yes, he does. Because he, he cares about everything about us. He's like a father, right? And, and so the lie is, is that there's something that you can't bring to him or something that is too beneath his notice or maybe even think it was too, too selfish. Have you ever done this one? Oh, this is such a phony self-righteousness. And I, and I know it really well because I've done it before too. Oh, you know, oh, it's, I'm, it's, I'm just being too selfish in my prayers. What a load of hogwash. Jesus knows just how selfish you are. And then he, he gave you that prayer anyway, right? He gave you that promise in prayer anyway. He knew what a bunch of selfish twits we were. And he gave his promises that big. Why? Because it all matters to him. Even our selfishness and things we wanted for us. Look how tender a savior he is. You know who I learned this best from? You know who I, this is incandescent. I mentioned David. It was, it, I really learned this best from. And my, my, actually, my heart was deeply, deeply rebuked uh, by the faith of, a, of an unwed teenage girl. 
I mean, unwed having a baby, you know? Just her heart going a hundred different directions. Everybody talking about her church. Did you see what happened? I know, I know. Bless her heart. But she said, oh, I'm going to, sorry. But she said something I'll never forget. Um, He has brought down rulers. She didn't know any rulers. I'm talking about Mary. Mary's a teenage unwed mother, guys. If you don't think life was confusing for her, you're not paying attention. And you haven't known any teen moms. Watch that MTV show about teen moms, and you'll get a picture of Mary's world. Right? That's scary. It's terrifying. But you know what I always loved about it was the way she prays. She says, you have brought down rulers. You that you have sent the rich away empty. You have, she takes her little problem, her little fears about what people think, and, and the problem of, you know, the problem she's having that God is now, Jesus is in her, <laughs> inside her, right? Boy, I don't know if you start hearing this, because Mary, Mary's a type of Christian. She's a type for us. Christ was born in her how? By the Holy Spirit. How was Christ born in you? By the Holy Spirit. But what she does in her praise to God is she, she sees her problems as the problems that are happening in the White House. And that God is the king of both. And both matter the same. And I love that. You see, we're being invited into this, in these big, expansive prayer promises of Jesus to, to cry out in our insignificance and be heard just like she was. And, and our problems are, are important. And, and I would say this, I'll, I'll say this. And Luke has the best chance of this because he's the youngest person here. I'm not, this is not a joke. I'm not kidding at all about this. But Luke, when he prays as the youngest person in our church right now, God hears and does things in Trump's bedroom and Putin's. Because there is no insignificance with him. Praise him. You see, we've been invited into wonders here. We've been invited into, to pray things that are huge for others and big for ourselves and big for our city, big for the gospel, big for Christ's glory. We, and remember that greater works promise starts making sense because you see, we inform national policies. Do you know that? Because we pray. <laughs> and I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're a teenager. If you don't care, come into the life of Christ in you by the Holy Spirit, just like Mary did. She's a type of Christian. They're one of the first ones, right? Because Christ was in her by the Holy Spirit, and he's in you. Praise him. And so answer the, answer the accusation of insignificance with this. I am loved by an eternal God. I'm his son. I'm his daughter. I will be enthroned. Oh, I am enthroned even if I have eyes of faith to see it. Praise him. All right. I don't think I have anything else left to say. Let's 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 pray. I want to praise you that that my when my prayers have been stupid or or faltering and, and confused, even selfish, uh, you heard me. You heard us. We have many things we would pray for and want, many things that we desperately want. It's hard sometimes for us to see 
you have answered us with the best over and over again. Because we, we thought we had a different image of what that was. And here we're learning that, no, 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 no. Oh, no, 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 no. You meant to unpack eternal love for us in our lives and give us more than we ever dreamed. Mm. Father, uh, rescue us from those whispers in, this, in our time that we're insignificant because they're lies. Rescue us from the, from the fears that haunt us because of our failures. And we're like, I'm not worthy to ask. Father, would you chase that out of my heart? Because I'm so tired of that. I'm so tired of that voice always knocking me down. That you love, because you love sinners and you hear sinners. And I will praise you all my life because of it. Father, forgive us every time we've wanted your, the gifts more than you. You know what we're like. <laughs> you know all the shiny toys we want <laughs> and the things, that, the success, all the money we want, all the things that just creep in with real desire, all the other relationships we've wanted, whatever it is. You've known. You've seen it. Will you just answer us? Answer us. Answer us with the best. <laughs> whatever that is. And uh, the enemy of that will be all the good things, I think that we would want. Answer us with the best. Answer us with unknowing you and knowing Jesus. Holy Spirit is a spirit of intercession now. Create a spirit of prayer amongst us. We won't create it ourselves. Uh, 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 put that fire in us. Uh, give us a, let us start seeing answers to little prayers that we, we, we bring to your presence, that nothing is too small for your eyes and your heart with your children. Uh, answer us, and answer us in big ways for our families, for our jobs, for, for our fears. Answer us for the people we love. Answer us, and bring answers in, Father, so we can cash in on these promises uh, with, their full, with their full glory. And as we do all this, Holy Spirit, fill us with new prayers that, that, that really drive the kingdom and drive Jesus and, and bring him glory. Change us and transform us and open our prayer lives by the power of the Spirit. I, I really, Father, I ask for your reviving power. Remove all obstacles to the throne and let us go forward with bold assurance, knowing, knowing that you hear us. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. On the night he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread and broke it, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Take and eat. And in the same way, he also took a cup of wine, saying, this is my blood shed for the forgiveness of sins. Take and drink. Now this table, as I, I've told you before, you know, the inness, the inness of the gospel is we are, we are pantomiming that, right? We're, we're acting it out when we put stuff in our bodies. As we put stuff in our bodies, we are living out, we are chewing the illustrations. We are drinking the illustration of Christ in us, right? God in us, which is why we pray. God, in, why we dare to pray <laughs> and continue in prayer. God in us. So uh, I invite everyone here who is a sinner who knows that despite the fact that they're a sinner, they're loved by Jesus. They're saved by, his, by the cross and saved by his death. <laughs> Amen. I, I, that's my favorite invitation. It's my favorite thing to say every week. It is. My favorite thing to say. Now, the sex thing I say is not my favorite thing to say, and that is to warn you. Um, uh, uh, I have to put up a fence. I have to put up a barrier. Some, some of you maybe shouldn't come to this table. And, 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 and the reason you should not come is, is if you think you're a good person. 
Isn't that funny? It's always, the gospel's always upside down. It's always different. Good people are not worthy of the table. Only sinners saved by grace. Praise him. If you're a good person, uh, um, then, then that's a different problem that we need to pray about. Finally, if you're a skeptic and, and you wonder, you know, I want to I invite you if you're a skeptic. If you're really skeptical about my claims today about the power of God, then I, I'm going to invite you to do something. Uh, ask him to make himself real to you. What do you got to be afraid of? Ask him if he is true that he would show that truth to you. I dare you. I dare you. I'm serious. Why not? And let's see what happens. But today, as a skeptic, I ask you to watch us partake and envy us that we can know a God like this. Envy us that we are known and loved. And perhaps that envy itself will drive you to Jesus. All right. Let's stand. All right, we're going to do here now is we're going to, we're going to, this is our response to the message that the, the, I always take communion is our first, it's our first, like, uh, it's our first response. It's our first blush, prima facie. It's our first response to this message is to go and grab Jesus and make him ours, know he's ours and affirm that he's ours. Um, so what we're going to do that we're going to, we're first, we're going to do because our, our, con- our faith has content, that's truth in it. It's not merely a feeling. We're going to, uh, we're going to say the apostles creed together. You were asked to assent to these truths to be true in space and time, not myths. And uh, after we're done re- uh, reading these, reading, uh, uh, doing this together, we're going to sing a song. As we're singing the song, come to the table, take the bread and wine back to your seat, and we will take it together as we close worship. So uh, let us now, uh, with joy, proclaim the mystery of our faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Praise him. So Christian, brother and sister, guess, what do you believe? We believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell, and day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. And the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, Thanks. forgiveness of sins, the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. For further information, please feel free to check us out at firstpresbyteriansf.org or come and worship with us on Sunday mornings at 1015. We meet at 110 Embarcadero, just a block away from the Ferry Building, and we can't wait to see you. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain.